in sync. And I am Jaysboro Eichelhart, and that was awesome, Lorraine. Yeah, um, as you can tell, uh, Ryan's not with us just yet. He'll be in the show a little bit later on. And you are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 463. Uh, this is This Week in Marvel, so we're going to talk about everything that happens here at Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, whatever. But first, uh, James, how was your birthday weekend? Uh, how was your your day of labor? It was fantastic. Uh, we have what we like to call uh, birthday weeks or birthday uh, birthday weekends. So I had a birthday weekend, which is awesome. Although my wife still says I can have a little bit of birthday stuff this week. Uh, but Friday, <laughs> it was fantastic. I had a great time. I, I'm a big toy fan and a big cartoon fan as well as comics. So I got toys. I got I got um, cartoons. I'm a big Tex Avery fan. So I got three different Tex Avery Blu-ray discs of his old cartoons that I've been looking for forever. And I got uh, an awesome gift. My nephew was walking around in a shirt that says more cowbell. And I said, hey, do you know what that is? And he said, no, I just like the shirt. I said, oh, my gosh, you have to sit down. I totally did the old person thing. like, you have to sit down and watch this thing from my childhood. So I sat him down <laughs> and we watched the old sketch from SNL. And he laughed and I laughed. I, I literally cried because I hadn't seen it in so many years. And for my birthday, this boy got me a cowbell. My wife oh. hates the world right now because I have been walking around the house just ding, 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 ding. I believe she hit it. Um, I believe she took it. And uh, I don't know where she has it, but I will find it. I will since, find it. Since you have a birthday week, yeah. uh, you can just be like, hey, it's still my birthday week. More cowbell, please. You know, I, I do. But I think uh, you, you would understand this. There is a veto button that the wife gets to have. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Husbands can, you, you, we are we are definitely the king of our castles. But when the queen says stop, everything stops. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the key to a happy marriage, my friends. That is the key <laughs> to a happy marriage. I mean, listen, man, Thor can say what he wants. But when his wife says something, he goes, yes, dear, just take the hammer. I'll just go. Same with Cap. <laughs> you know, listen, when these ladies pull down the hammer, man, they take the shield, they take the web shooters, and they go, sit your butt down. You're not doing this anymore. And we, as these great supermen, we go, yes, dear, we have no problem. Don't want any problem. Can I go out and save the world now? Yes, go out and save the world. Don't touch me. <laughs> it's all about that compromise. Um, it really is. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I finally, I got I got to dig into that Marvel's Avengers this yes. weekend a bit. Oh, man, I am really, really, you know, I played the beta a bit and you don't yeah. get as much of the storyline in the beta. And something that I am just loving in the game is Kamala's story. Oh, I so am excited about this. I'm just having such a blast, like getting to know her as a character. She's like so cute and hopeful and like. I, it's just really fun sort of discovering this whole game world through her yeah. eyes. And also I'm getting better at not falling to my death all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like so embarrassed because my husband kept coming in to check on me. And he's like, are you playing the game? And I'm like, I fell again. I have to wait for the game to restart. <laughs> there is something that I, I realized the other day because I was playing as well. And there's that moment where you realize when we were kids – Especially when we were little kids, mm -hmm. you only had three lives. Three lives. Yeah, that's all you had. I was had. thinking about that too. You had three lives, and if you didn't make it, the game was over. You had to like get another quarter, or <laughs> or even even when <laughs> Nintendo first came out or like Sega first came out, you had three lives. That's all you had. And yeah. the fact that we can die to our death and then like reappear, and then we still get so frustrated. <laughs> well, you know what? That I was thinking about that too because I was like, God, it's so nice that you don't, you know. You don't have to go either back way, 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 way back to save point like three hours ago. Yeah. 
or or you just completely have to start the game from from go. I I was like, this is so brilliant because yes, there's some like bragging rights, like oh, I only had three lives and I made it, but how I bailed on so many games because I was just like, Seriously. I don't want to start over again, man. Yeah. I really appreciate that I could just be like, and I'm figuring out how to jump correctly. I'm like calibrating my thumbs to this. Also, I have really short thumbs and sometimes it's really hard for me to play. It takes me a while. I also um, had a flash from the past because I, I did it. I downloaded Mulan. You did? I did it. I just like had a real fun nostalgia moment. I don't want to spoil anything because okay, cool, I, cool. I want people to watch it. Yeah. But it, it's very pretty and I was just like, oh. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. We 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 made it as a family. We decided we're going to wait till this week, and we'll, we'll watch it. We'll watch it this week. We just didn't get to it. Yeah, it's re- it's real cute. It's real fun, cool. and there's some great moments in it. Just wait for wait for snuggling. I'll leave it at that. All right, cool. I, I look forward. I look forward to that. You know. All right. Well, this is uh, this week in Marvel. So let's get into what's going on this week in Marvel. Uh, first up, we got a sneak peek at Spider-Man 850 this week. You know, every time there is a big 50 or 100 issue, especially of a title like Spider-Man, the team likes to pull out all the stops. There is going to be a big main story by Nick Spencer, and then there is going to there's just a ton of artists um, and folks working on this book. There's Ryan Otley, Umberto Ramos, Mark Bagley. Oh. I love Umberto, love Mark Bagley. Um, Kurt Busick and uh, Chris Pachalo and Trad Moore and Saladin Ahmed and Aaron Cooter. Yeah, it is a big book and it is going to be a story about the Green Goblin who is back and Spidey is going to have some of his amazing friends helping him survive. You can watch the trailer now on Marvel.com and the book comes out in September, September 30th. So that's really soon. Uh, so pick up Amazing Spider-Man number uh, 850. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. I'm so happy about the Green Goblin. That's going to be cool. December solicits are in. And the big news is King in Black. King in Black, number one of five, from Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, and Frank Martin, and VC's Clayton Cowles, comes the definitive chapter in their two-year-long Venom saga that changed everything you thought you knew about the symbionts. I remember that. And after the campaign across the galaxy, the evil deity Null's death march arrives to Earth, and worse yet, he's got an army of hundreds of thousands of symbiont dragons at his command. I love this. Insert metal guitars here. Yes. I mean, freaking symbiote dragons. It's, <laughs> it, he, it's a, he's an evil deity who looks like a big goth metal yeah, he does. Uh, god who's bringing symbiote dragons for a fight. I mean, come on. He really it's does fun. look like he needs to be on, like, you know, somebody's album cover. Um, the King in Black is a force unlike any Earth's heroes have ever faced. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, has seen firsthand the chaos that even one of Null's symbiotic monsters can wreck. Will he survive an encounter with the God of the Abyss himself? I am looking forward to this. I love the character. I love the King. There's a couple of uh, bands I'll probably listen to while I read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they've announced King of Black, but they announced all of these tie-ins that are coming are in cool. December. You can read more about the solicits on Marvel.com, but there are tie-ins and crossovers coming for Spider-Woman number seven. There's Venom number 31, Marvel Tales, Null, and King in Black Handbook. So if you need a little more uh, backstory on Null, you can get that. There's going to be a tie-in in Black Cat number one. There is going to be King in Black Immortal Hulk number one. Okay. Dope. Atlantis Attacks number five is going to be a King of Black tie-in. Oh, and also, um, I know Ryan's sad that he's not here today because there's going to be a King of Black Namor number one. He's going to be talking about that. I know he is. 
Yeah, he's going to have some feels. Um, and then there's going to be a King in Black, Iron Man slash Doctor Doom number one. Come on. The Union. And then uh, they also revealed the cover for number two this week. So you can check out all of that stuff on Marvel.com about King in Black, all the tie-ins, all of that cool stuff uh, that is going to be coming out in December. December, obviously... The holiday season is going to need some death metal, so Yes, definitely. Nothing like death metal at Christmas. You know, I promised you some Ryan in this episode, so I wouldn't want to let anybody down. Uh, he caught up with writer Kelly Thompson of Captain Marvel fame, and she is working on the Black Widow book, along with artist Elena Casagrande, who is well-known for Catwoman, and one of my favorite colorists, but I... Flat out, I think my favorite colorist of all time, Jordi Belair. Get into it. The way she uses oranges, reds, and blues will blow your dang mind. She's so good. And they're all working together. So he got to talk with Kelly about her career and what it was like working on Captain Marvel and how, you know, Carol has really changed since her first gig with Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, which was <laughs> way back when already. God, I can't believe how long that was ago now. Uh, and now she's working on Black Widow. Kelly, hello. Ryan! I think it's been like two years since we had you on the show. What's been going on the last two years? Um, I mean, you know, it's been sort of all Marvel all the time, and it's been pretty awesome. You know, people people ask all the time, like, what what's the character you want to work on now? And I sort of look around and I'm like, all the ones Marvel's giving me like I you know I mean of course you've got sort of bucket list things like everyone wants to work on Spider-Man he's Spider-Man you know so you've got stuff like that but like going through the stuff that I've gotten to do right on up to Black Widow that it's just been like a crazy ride like getting to do Captain Marvel this past year getting to do Deadpool which is like a total bucket list dream and getting to work with Chris Bocello huge for you what's it like shifting between books and characters and tones and all that stuff on a I imagine day-to-day sometimes hour to hour maybe basis yeah my schedule is a little crowded right now in a way that does not make that super easy because you do need that beat that moment to rest before you dive directly into a new script like I use tricks like a lot of writers like I have playlists that I use to like sort of help me get in the frame of mind for a character. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big downshift between a character like Black Widow and a character like Deadpool. And you need a hot minute to like, all right, I, I let's readjust to this new tone. And that's not such a big deal. Everyone does that all the time, comic writers at least. And uh, but But when your schedule is a little overcrowded, which mine is right now, it can be a little grim to try to make those shifts faster. So if you see any Deadpool leaking into my other books, that's why. It's not my fault, people. It's not my fault. <laughs> he has a, a way of doing that, I imagine. We'll talk about Deadpool a little bit more in a minute, but I remember we've talked before, your first Marvel gig being Captain Marvel uh, and the Carol Corps and, you know, what was it, 2015? And that's now you're round about 20 issues deep on a full Captain Marvel run, aside from the whole where the, the, the Carol Corps book was the Secret War, alternate reality stuff. How is writing Carol now different from what it was like those couple of years ago? Well, I mean, first of all, I was doing it with Kelly Sudaconic, so it was a totally different experience, which I recommend, by the way. 
for anyone, um, not just not just working with Kelly Sue DeConnick, but also I think anyone who's new to comics. I mean, even though I knew comics really well, pairing new artists at Marvel with a with a veteran like that, I think it's a really great way to sort of cut the learning curve. I think starting that way at Marvel, it really helped me. I mean, I also had like really strong editors like Sana helping me along the way. But, you know, I think it really helped me succeed at Marvel because I just got a real great glimpse of like how it works, you know. But that was weird because I was entering in, you know, a sort of quote unquote alt reality story. Right. And I do remember Kelly Sue saying at one point, listen, you've jumped right into the deep end of the pool. She's like, if you can figure this out in the middle of this secret war, she's like, you're going to be fine. So that was nice. Um, But yeah, I mean, getting to write Carol right when she was on the brink of becoming like one of the most popular characters in the universe because of the movie and all the wonderful stuff surrounding that. It was really awesome. It was sort of like coming home again, but to something completely new that I was sort of getting to build. So it's been it's been great. It's been great. I mean, I was terrified back when they gave it to me. I mean, I really wanted it. And so I took it. But I was like, this is a very big stage to like fall on my face. And Captain Marvel has been a tough book. She doesn't seem to get these really long runs. And I think it's true of all characters, because that's sort of the cycle we're in, where we get a lot of new number ones with creative changes and creative team changes and stuff like that. But she especially has had a little bit of trouble. And so I think we're really proud that we managed to pull together this this pretty long run for her. And we've got like incredible fan response. It's been great. Yeah. I mean, it's just from like someone who's reading and is excited, like giving her a really cool arch enemy and a cool lair and having her kill the Avengers, quote unquote, and sacrificing uh, everything in the end, which was such a great issue. The thing that I think a lot of fans want to see and you being a reader and a fan as well, like having those big moments amidst a longer, like something that you feel like you get invested into, you have these big crests. There's something to it that gets you further invested almost. And I think that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. I, it was really important for me when we were sort of bringing her back to earth. I mean, listen, Carol's always going to be a cosmic hero. She should be, she's, she's a character that goes up as Kelly Sudaconic says, and that's exactly who she should be. But you know, she'd been out in space for so long. I really wanted to sort of like bring her back down to earth a little bit and anchor her a little bit and like really develop her cast with people we already knew were part of her world. And then with like a couple little surprises thrown in there, like hazmat. But I've tried to be, even as the stories have changed and we have to sort of follow Carol through that because she's the important role. I have tried to keep those tendrils of that supporting cast pretty consistent because I don't want I don't want readers to feel like oh every new arc we're just throwing all new people at the wall yeah thinking about the the, that first run with that you did with Kelly just from your headspace of thinking about Carol as a character and the the stories you were thinking about telling were there any ideas or concepts that you're you're putting into place or you know coming up with now that maybe started or originated in what you were doing back then when I think back to that, it's more about, did I have Carol's voice back then? And what changed about it now? Because that was a slightly different Carol. And yet the the core of Carol, like it, it just shines through really strongly. And if you can tap into that, I feel like you can do a lot of other stuff with it. Like I was, I was a little afraid to take Carol on because 
when I when I did Carol Core, it wasn't I mean, it was scary in different ways, but I knew Kelly Sue was there and she had really redefined the character. So I had no worry about like getting the voice right because I had this incredible safety net who was going to go in and sprinkle Kelly Sudaconic magic all over everything we wrote. Right. So I knew it was going to be fine. Um, but Carol isn't a character that necessarily comes easy to me. Like not the way that sort of Kate Bishop has or Jessica Jones or even Deadpool in a weird way, because I skew a bit comedy esque with the stuff that I do for the most part. And so I was a little worried about Carol because she's a little more serious and her sense of humor is a little bit more like dad joke sense of humor, which like it's not actually that funny. Like she thinks she's funny, but she's not super funny. And so like finding that is is a little tricky. But I did think about Kelly Sue and that first run and like what what about that worked and what didn't necessarily or what I thought could be better not what didn't work but what I thought could be better when I was sort of approaching doing the main book and uh I think it worked yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and you know mentioning the fallen star arc and getting a, a character to break out like star which is so cool um for our listeners if they don't know who star is can you give us a little rundown of of the character of star Sure. So Star turned out to be this woman, Ripley Ryan, who's a reporter who we meet in the very first issue of Captain Marvel from 2019. So she ends up getting kidnapped in this place from the first arc. And then she sort of comes back. You don't know initially that it's her, but it's this superhero star who is sort of like looks a bit like a younger version of Carol and has this great costume. And and right as Carol is sort of falling apart this new hero is sort of rising up and feeling like she's taking her place and then she turns out to be a bad guy and it's this character star that we're now spinning out and after the events of what happens with carol where carol sort of almost kills her to save new york city she ends up with the reality stone in her chest so we're doing this mini series now and i can't tell you how many people come to me acting like stars a hero and I'm like, are you reading the book? She's a bad guy. <laughs> like, I don't know why this is gray area. Like, I I like that she's a complex villain. I like that she has relatable and has relatable issues and that people sympathize with her. I mean, that's what makes a great villain, right? So yeah, she's she's developed into this really great character. We're getting to explore her in this series and really see what makes her tick, but also see that she makes bad bad choices and she likes to blame other people for things that are going wrong in her life. And, and again, that's really relatable. I think we can all sympathize with that, which is maybe why people are like, no, I think she's a hero. And I'm like, mm, she tried to kill most of New York city. I, I don't, I don't know about heroes. Maybe we're stretching that word a little bit here. Um, but one of the things that excites me the most about star is that I think every hero and, and this is true of Carol too, we really struggle with the rogues gallery for these characters, especially because there's a real trend. And I'm, I do this as well, where we want to turn great villains into antiheroes. And then the next thing, you know, they're not really villains anymore. And we do it over and over again. And sometimes I'm totally in on it. Like Emma Frost, one of my favorite characters of all time. Like I'm really glad she has for a long time been a hero, even if she's a little murky sometimes, but you know, you need great villains who 
who can live there and, and have very different goals in life. And I think star is one of those and I'm really excited about it. I hope people can stop calling her a hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you want to see star go from here? I want her to remain for sure a, a rogues gallery villain for Carol. Like they're, they have this, we've set up this great way for them to just hate each other forever It'll be really fun. But I think she's got a ton of potential to do all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, someone else who's charting a, a new course is, of course, Deadpool being king of Staten Island and king of the mo- well, king of the monsters on Staten Island and all kinds of stuff. When did you start thinking about writing him and, and in terms of time period before the first issue even came out? Well, so in the late winter early spring of 2019 was when jake reached out to me about like we want you to write deadpool and do you want to do it and i was like i want it really badly but my schedule even though i was about to have all a bunch of books closed up and so i was going to have a lot of time right at that moment when he was asking me i was still writing like five books and though i've read a lot of deadpool he's got a million freaking books so it's not a character that you can just be like, oh, yeah, I'll get you a pitch on Monday. Like, if you want to do it right, you got to, like, dive in and try to find out what hasn't been done before. What's a story that you think you can bring to it? You know, why are you going to be right for Deadpool? And, and I basically said to Jake, I was like, listen, I want it really bad. I was like, but I have to take a little time to see if I can deliver a story worthy of it if I can find a story that that's going to be right and so it took a while Jake was very patient with me as I was sort of reading and rereading thinking about what did I want to say I can't remember I had a couple ideas that we were talking about but we sort of between us I was like none of these are it I was like all of these are interesting stories we can do, but none of them are like the big idea that like has something to say about Deadpool as a character. And he really agreed with me. And so we kept sort of working on it. And I can't remember how, I think I was talking about the monster stuff and then Jake really seized on that that was a really good idea and that we should push that. And then, so that's how that started developing. And to me, the monster thing It just makes so much sense for Deadpool because it's both a literal thing on the page that's fun, that you can fight, that's big, that has a lot of stakes. But then it's also thematically, it's just so perfect. It works for a lot of characters, but it especially works for someone like Deadpool, who is always questioning who is he, what is he, you know, is he a monster? What makes a monster? Like, these are all really big existential questions for him so that you can have, because to me, listen, you want Deadpool to be funny. Absolutely. I think I'm very funny. I'm hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Everyone thinks they're funny. Every writer's like, oh, I'm writing the best jokes. That's great. But everyone has a different sense of humor. So that's not really always going to land for everyone. So there's got to be something else. There's got to be pathos. There's got to be higher stakes. For me, it was like, yes, I want to tell all these jokes, but under that, I want there to be this sort of existential dread of him really questioning who he is and what these things mean. And it's been really fun to do. One of the things I love about the series is that you're Right from the get-go, you built this great supporting cast. Of course, Jeff the Landshark, character that you know came over from West Coast Avengers, who we love. Then Elsa Bloodstone. Why is Elsa Bloodstone so awesome? Because she is. She's the best. Uh, 
So Next Wave Agents of Hate is probably my favorite comic book of all time. Definitely my favorite superhero comic of all time. And that is where I fell in love with her. I put her in anything that makes reasonable sense to put her in because I think she's fantastic. She's got that salty, dry British bit, but then she's a total badass. I also like, I mean, you know, I don't know how I'm very particular about things being sexy. I like things to be sexy, but I just don't think it should be applied across the board. Like Emma Frost is an incredibly sexy, like, character she just wears that so does elsa bloodstone but it was one of the things when we brought elsa bloodstone into the jessica jones book like jessica she's a beautiful woman but you know she wears jeans and a t-shirt and a jacket and she's not all you know bombshelly and so i like the contrast of that with someone like elsa and uh chris draws an incredible elsa she's been so fun and uh gerardo has a very different take on her but also great and then we also have the Knights of the Roundish Table, like uh, Deadpool's <laughs> Deadpool's quote unquote honor guard, his his security forces. Who is your favorite of that whole crew? Well, the Nightwolf is sort of secretly my favorite, but I'm a little disappointed because we haven't been able to like get out completely what his deal is. <laughs> And so I feel like even though he's fun and I'm, I hope people like him, the way he works is that he was an ancient wolf that was bit by a cursed human. <laughs> so, so he sometimes has to be a human. He sometimes is a werewolf and sometimes he's a full wolf. And just through the nature of the story, we've only ever really seen him in this one form. But I just want to get to to explore that a little bit because I think it's so ridiculous to be like a reverse werewolf. Like, I, I love it. I love it so much. And then Chris Pacello did that incredible trading card with him where he looks like Wiley Coyote, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but I think Collab the Pile is the most little sort of genius of those creations because it's just weird and it's funny. And I have to give credit to... Um, when I was coming up with these monsters and sort of spitballing as my boyfriend, Adam helped me come up with that. He actually named him. He was like, I was like, Oh, and maybe they're these, maybe they're these man babies that are connected. And I was like, but what should it be called? And he's like, collab the pile. I was like, did you just say that? Like out of nowhere? I was like, I can't believe how good that is. So yeah, now he's got credit. He'll have to listen to this so that he can finally see his credit. Yeah. Uh, how, did you get any flack from Staten Islanders for making their borough the new home for monsters in the Marvel universe? I haven't. Um, huh. You know, Staten Islanders known for their even tempers and, and good nature. <laughs> I think mostly I've gotten people going, yeah, it's the worst over here. I agree or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, Honestly, they've had a really good attitude about it. Because we have poked some fun at Staten Island, which, you know, it's always the borough that gets poked fun at, which is not it's not very nice of us. But I, I hope that amidst the fun pointing, there's a there's an understanding for anyone who's reading that they're like there's a general love of and celebration of what's going on there. So I don't know. 100%. Let, let's now talk about uh, the other big new book in your arsenal, obviously, Black Widow. Uh, how much have you written Natasha previously? So I've only gotten to write her 
as a sort of small guest appearance in those two issues of Captain Marvel. That's really all I've gotten to do. I think I did an okay Natasha. I think my Natasha now is better. Um, I definitely come from the school of she's not like a witty banter type of character. I mean, she is very witty, but she's very laconic, right? She's not she's not sharing every thought that pops into her head like Kate Bishop style, right? Like that's not sort of her style. And I like that. And I think that's a challenge with a character like that. That said, I don't know if you've read Black Widow 1 yet, but we're doing some weird stuff in there. Oh, yeah. That's really expected (laughs) Um, so you get sort of classic Natasha for a little bit you get sort of exactly what you'd expect in sort of a Black Widow where she's doing a sort of heisty thing and she's sort of working with a couple Avengers and it and it feels just what you'd expect and then we take sort of a hard left into something else um and I'm trying not to spoil it for people which is becoming increasingly difficult but um I think that in what we're doing, there are a lot of bones of things that you kind of expect to see in a Natasha story and some of the characters that you would expect to see in a Natasha story. But I hope we're twisting it in a sort of new way that's going to give people something to be excited about. I mean, I was when I was talking to Sarah, my editor, about doing this book, I was like, I don't want to do any Red Room stuff. Uh, and she was like, great. And I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I don't have to convince you. I was like, listen, I love that stuff. It's fantastic. But we see it every single time we visit the character. And I just, I'm weary of it. And if I'm weary of it, then I feel like readers, let's give her a new something. Let's give her a whole new path to, you know, that's always, it's it's a little bit like with Carol, right? Like the cosmic stuff is always going to be in her DNA. It should be a part of who she is. But let's try something a little different for a while and like show another angle of this character. And so that's definitely part of the approach with Natasha for Mm -hmm. for this book. I think that our first five issues will stand really nicely as a really transformative arc for her. Like it's going to be really emotional and rough and hopefully also cool. But it's going to be she's going through the ringer for sure. But then when you come out the other side of that, it actually sets her up for like a really different role that I'm really excited about. So I went into the issue fresh. And so I got to that swivel point and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm so on board for this. Uh, And then there's like the little like stylish touches that are like Natasha, but like set in what you're setting up. And I thought it, it was really cool. It's a lot of fun. Well, so yeah. that's drawn by Elena Casagrande and colors by the perfect Jordi Belair. So excited to be working with her again. Um, and so, so we're playing a little bit with duality. Um, and one of the things that Jordi brought to the table, and it's one of the reasons she was the number one on my list when we were talking about colorists, because I knew she could bring this, which is, you know, like some books are just colored and they look good or they don't look good or whatever. But some people, not everyone can bring like a whole other level to the coloring. And so she's doing stuff with like color blocking that sort of separates the sort of duality of these two sides of Natasha that we're sort of dealing with. So like, you know, the, the New York stuff looks the way you'd expect the New York stuff to look, but, but with a sort of black widowy twist like that, 
double page spread that's all red, which was just incredible. She's like, so I did this thing. I don't know if you guys are going to like it. And she turned it in. and It was all that red. And I was like, I could not love it more. It's perfect. <laughs> we were all so excited. And then, you know, you've got this twist because the, the, the rest of the book for the first issue is in San Francisco. And, you know, she just completely changes the palette. And it's it's really smart stuff. And it's it really adds another dimension to the book that I think we need. And I think in a in a, when you're dealing with a character like Natasha, who sort of plays her cards sort of close, even when you're in her head, that kind of stuff makes even more impact, you know, to have those sort of layers. Yeah, I, I think Jordy is Jordy. But Elena is going to be like a revelation for a lot of people, because especially people who only read Marvel, most of her work has not been from Marvel and seeing what she's doing. And like now it feels like like she's just anted up a little bit to to be working with you, working with Jordy. It's like, all right, everybody's putting 120 percent forward. And I think I was reading it. I was like, wow, Elena's like beyond where I remember her being. She's so good in this issue. Yeah. The most recent thing people might remember her from was she was doing Catwoman, which looked beautiful, yeah. but I, she 100% leveled up. She not only leveled up, but like, I think she just get, like, everyone is just so bringing their a game. Like I, she gets it. She gets how important of a debut that is for the character and that she has a chance to really make an impact. And you can feel it in everything she's doing from that sort of mind bending, DPS to some of the character stuff she's doing later to, you know, I mean, when I was writing in the script, I was like, listen, this is San Francisco and, you know, we really need to let San Francisco be a character. So there are going to be times when I am asking you for, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge and these like iconic landmarks. I was like, but something to keep in mind is San Francisco is covered in mist. Use that. Like, don't feel like you have to draw a whole bridge every time. Like, save yourself, you know? Um, and she just went above and beyond on every page. It, it's really incredible. Yeah. You know, I was also reading it and thinking about how Black Widow, like, has the 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 reputation as being, like, this loner, this spy, this sort of do-it-yourself badass. But she also has folks like Winter Soldier and Hawkeye who remain very important to her sphere. And I, I think that's a really interesting thing for a character who is also so completely independent and doesn't need anyone having people who are so important to parts of her story. I hope if we're successful, we're going to see those relationships being so important to her and that even at the end of this arc, as she goes on this sort of new path, even though it appears isolating, like, yeah, she could do this on her own. We're going to see that that's not really the case. Like she is going to be drawing people more into her world, both because it's who she is and because of these things she goes through in this arc. I'm really excited for people to read it. It's one of the most excited and nervous I've been for a new book. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, that's about it. I've taken up so much of your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Kelly Thompson for chatting with us. I love her work. She's so absolutely fabulous. Uh, be sure to go pick up Black Widow and read all them pages, baby. That's awesome. Now, uh, as you know, the Marvel Avengers game is out. People are playing. It's 
fun. I'm having a good time. Lorraine's having a good time. We know Ryan's having a good time. That's probably why he's not here. He's probably skipped out of work so he can play the game. That's probably oh, not true. hundred percent. Yeah, oh, you're right. It's probably hundred percent true. So I am asking you, Marvelites, what is your favorite part of Marvel's Avengers? Right now, I there's I'm frustrated with 2020. So there's something about playing the Hulk and smashing things that is just <laughs> so cathartic to me. Um, so that's that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, I'm really loving a Kamala swing. I just love that when I am failing and I am going to fall to my death, that I can save my. I could just reach up my little hand with that X <laughs> yes. and save my butt. It really brings me true joy. Well, tell us what your favorite part of the Marvel Avengers game is. You can tweet your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. That is T-W-I-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at marvel.com. Or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. All right, let's take a toot toot train on over to community. Uh, Karis <laughs> Pollard, Pollard says that this week in Marvel question of the week was a favorite single issue of Black Widow. Tough question, but after deliberation, it's Black Widow number one by Wade, Somney, and Wilson. You know, the one with the super iconic cover and this quote that sums up Nat. Mother Murphy, she turns a 40,000-foot fall into ballet. Yeah! <laughs> it's a really vibrant book and looks amazing, but it resonates with me and Tracy Pollard for different reasons. It was the first comic we read that has almost no dialogue in it, yet tells a really strong story, which really brought home the power of comics as a medium. I love that. Yeah. So good. Adam at Thunder Talk Thor heard that Agent M, Lorraine, and myself talk about Chadwick Boseman on Twim and wanted to show them this, wanted to show us this piece of Trolium Dawson, an artist local to Anderson, South Carolina, and a friend of the Boseman family. It's an honor to host this piece at my theater this week. That is awesome. That's so awesome. Um, it, it's really been truly wonderful to see so many people making really beautiful um, tribute artwork dedicated to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, it's been really lovely. I know Ryan Minerding, who is the visual arts development art director uh, at Marvel Studios, did a really beautiful piece of of Chadwick sort of di in different iterations of in his Black Panther costume, which was really, really lovely as well. Um, it's been very nice. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, and Lorraine Sink. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And I just want to give special thanks to the queen of this week in Marvel, Lorraine. She <laughs> is the unsung hero. There's always that superhero team. And you know it's true, people. You know it's true. There's always a superhero team. And there's always that one strong lady, the one who always seems to be the foundation of the team. She's the logical one of the team. She always has something smart to say while all the guys are going half cocked and punching and shooting. And that is Ryan and I. And then there is our Black Widow. There is our Captain Marvel. There is our Ms. Marvel, Lorraine, who keeps this team the way it should be, that gives it the class that it needs to, for you to hear every week. That is our girl, Lorraine. Sweetheart, I give a special thanks to you. Oh, no. Thank you so much. That's so nice. My every cell says I'm not allowed to take that compliment, but I'm going to. Thank you so much, <laughs> yes, James. You're you so kind. Um, well, geez, I got to get out of here and stop blushing. So uh, I'm Lorraine. And I'm James. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.